good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Cody Cuff, Henny Cutter, Because all the hippies are trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Buju relatives, this is Zoe Allen um, from the Awaiters Nation, as well as Sichangu Lakota from the Rosebud Sioux Tribe. And um, we have a bit of a different show tonight. We're interviewing um, a really amazing playwright, poet, and author, Marcy Rendon. Um, Robert is off at the Capitol tonight with uh, Wendy, doing some really important advocacy work for um, on behalf of our wolf population in Minnesota. Um, so please enjoy the interview we'll be playing in the next, for the rest of the show. Um, but for right now, I just thought I would give you guys some context on who Marcy Rendon is. Um, she's a really important person in our community and also just a really um, I've known Marcy since I was a little and um, she's gone from writing plays to now being a published author of three murder mystery books, which are really rising to become some of some bestsellers, um, at least in Minnesota and I think even nationally. Um, and I believe that one of her that her book series is even on the Oprah Winfrey um, book list. Um, and she, I asked her about that in the interview, and, it, and she has a really funny story about how that came to be. Um, and so for our relatives that don't know her work, um, Marcy Rendon, and she's from the Widers Nation, um, she has three books out that are all murder mysteries that all surround, um, around one character, Cash Black Bear, um, and her special gifts she has in being able to help solve crimes that always, that usually pertain to missing and murdered Indigenous relatives. Um, and a lot of uh, the story was informed. It, it is not Marcy's story, but um, she she knows the Red River Valley and the location where the book is set so well that it's it's really beautiful to read her stories um, because they're just so land based. And I think as an indigenous writer, um, that is the way she does that is really unique. Uh, so if you haven't checked it, her books out, um, the first one is called Murder on the Red River. Um, and I'm a, I'm actually reading that one right now, and it's, it's definitely a page turner. And then the second one is Girl Gone Missing. And her most recent one, which actually just came out in 2022, is Sinister Graves, um, which is uh, really exciting that she's been able to turn this into a very successful series. And actually right now, Marcy's up north with my mother doing an artist residency. So um, that's, it sounds like it's been going really well. She's been touring some of the libraries and, and working with youth, um, doing some like group poetry work and just getting indigenous youth excited about writing and, and um, poetry, which is really important because our young ones, uh, they definitely need tools to help, you know, um, share their voices on a larger platform. Um, but for the for the time being, I would really love to read one of Marcy's poems. I think it's definitely one of my favorites, um, and it's called. It's, it was also turned into a play, actually, um, but it's called "What's an Indian Woman to Do?" Um, and so, this is yeah. I guess I'll let it just speak for itself. So here we go. What's an Indian woman to do when the white girls act more Indian than the Indian women do? My tongue trips over Tunkashala, mumbles around the word Bikakie Wasin. My Ojibwe's been corrected by a blonde U of M undergrad. What is an Indian woman to do? Much to my ex-husband's dismay, I never learned the humble, spiritual, native woman stance. Legs tight, arms close, head bowed, three paces behind. My mother worked and fought with men, strode across fields, a hundred-pound potato sacks on shoulders broad as any man. The most traditional thing my grandfather taught me was to put jibik on a cue stick, 
to win a game of pool. So I never learned the finer Indian art. So many white women have become adept at some time. At sometimes I go to powwows, seeing them selling wares. Somehow the little crystals tied to on leather pouches never pull my Indian heart. Huh? What's an Indian woman to do? I remember Kathy, she who sees the spirit lights, when she was still Katrina Olson from Mankato, Minnesota, and Raven Woman. I swear I knew her when she was just a Jewish girl over in St. Paul. As my hair grays, theirs gets darker. Month by month, their reservation accents thicker. Year by year, used to be reincarnation happened only to the dead. Hmm. What's an Indian woman to do when the white girls act more Indian than the Indians do? And so that was uh, Marcy Rendon's poem, What's an Indian Woman to Do? And um, I just think it speaks volumes to it's very relevant especially right now with all the conversations that have been going on in Indian country surrounding pretendians and how adept people have been able to get in pretending to be native um is it's pretty it's pretty incredible the lengths to um to which some people will go to try and claim ancestry that isn't theirs um and I think it's a very unique thing in the native community and and in the black community it definitely happens in the black community too um, but because we are indigenous people with sovereign rights, I think it adds a even more complicated layer to things. Um, but Marcy's very always been really outspoken in her views on the world and, you know, as a true artist is. And I've just always appreciated her work and speaking to those experiences. Um, I think a lot of Native women can, and a lot of Native people in general can resonate to the words she speaks. And for any of our listeners that have read some of her books or know a bit about um, Cash Black Bear, I just realized that in that poetry she talks about um, playing pool, and that's a really big part of Cash Black Bear's identity in the books. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, it's really I'm, – I'm just so grateful that Marcy was able to come on the show and uh, share some of her truth with us. Um, it's always such a delight to be able to interview some of the people that have been in my life for a very long time. And I hope that all of our listeners across Turtle Island also find, find it rewarding and, and hopefully take away something really positive from Marcy's message today. Um, I really love the fact that she's been working with our youth um, up north and wider because a lot of our youth are going through really hard times right now um, and trying to formulate your own indigenous identity in a society that isn't exactly kind to Indigenous people is is always hard. Um, and I always think about how rural Indigenous youth don't get enough services. Um, a lot of us live in food deserts, and there isn't much to do up on the reservation. Um, but that doesn't say that the reservation is a negative place. It's a very beautiful place, but it's a complicated place. And so... I'm looking forward to the future to see more Indigenous writers um, come up and be able to share their stories, as Marcy did, um, you know, especially people that have been through systems like foster care. Um, that's something that Marcy really talks about in the book. And I love that she doesn't go into over-explaining parts of Indigenous history. She really um, keeps it flowing. Um, and she talks about it, I asked her in the interview, um, just a little bit about how it's, it's, it's hard as a reader to be stopped constantly by a piece of history when you're reading something. So she, she kind of like, you know, does a thing of not making sure people have to, um, be stopped when they're reading her book. So yeah, this is, uh, Native Roots Radio. Um, please stay tuned. We have a really awesome interview coming up. Chimi Glitch.
lot has changed since 2020. Metro Transit wants to hear from you to help build a network that best serves the Metro's needs for the next five years. Help us grow the right way as more resources, like more drivers, become available. Learn more, fill out an online survey, and find out about upcoming meetings in your neighborhood at metrotransit.org slash network hyphen now. metrotransit.org slash network hyphen now. When we heal from our traumas. When we face our fears. Let go of our addictions. When we relearn our values. When we live our teachings. Respecting our elders. Cherishing and honoring our children. When we honor and take care of our spirit. There will be no room left for sexual violence. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. 2023 is here, and you can make it the Year of the Eagle with the National Eagle Center. You and your family can enjoy exciting eagle experiences, including field trips, private habitat tours, and exclusive behind-the-scenes tours. Meet live eagles up close, view bald eagles and golden eagles in the wild, and receive personal one-on-one education with dedicated and knowledgeable eagle experts as you journey into the world of eagles like never before. Learn more and plan your unforgettable eagle experience today at nationaleaglecenter.org slash experiences. You're listening to Native Roots Radio. This is Spirit from Reservation Dogs. Get up and listen. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is brought to you by MN350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. Well, we have a really special guest here uh, today, and uh, really, I'm going to hand it over to Zoe to, to start this interview and get moving on it, and I won't get in the way. Zoe Allen, uh, take it away. Bonjour, relatives. Um, we have a really special broadcast today. Um, we'll be talking to um, a wonderful relative, Marcy Rendon. Um, she's a Minnesota book writer, poet, playwright, um, an incredible woman all around. Um, she's also from the White Earth Nation. Um, and we're just going to be getting into um, her writing experience, you know, kind of her process, how she's been able to develop such a beloved character um, that is Cash. Um, and her murder mystery series. So um, without further ado, Marcy, um, welcome to the show. Um, Do you want to tell our listeners just a little more about yourself and kind of your journey of what's got you to become, you know, such a wonderful writer and book award winner too? I'll introduce myself in Ojibwe. Buju, Awanakwe Indigenous Cause, Megazine, Dodame, My English name is Marcy Rendon. I live in Minneapolis. I'm originally from the White Earth Nation, and I've been writing, well, I've been writing my whole life since I learned how to write, but it's only been since the last 20, 30 years that I've actually, like, really submitted all of my work for publication, everything from poetry to plays to now the the crime novels and I think that I've always been interested in crime novels because that's what I read and so I really wanted to break into that genre and just write really good crime novels that people would just like pick up and stay up all night reading and so I mean that's that's how the Cash Black Bear series started and Apparently, people love Cash Black Bear, which is great. 
Yeah, she's an incredible character. I mean, I just started reading your series. I'm on book one, um, Murder on the Red River. For our folks mm-hmm. watching um, and for our folks listening, you know, you could find the you could find Marcy's book at I would imagine relatively any bookstore and online too. Right. Um, and I've just been remarking to people, especially my mom, <laughs> um, how how detailed of a writer you are, and also just how relatable cash is like I haven't had cash's experience as a native woman but um there's such a special way you write her where it's like you know anybody can read it and and connect to the story but if Mm -hmm. you're from the area if you're from white earth if you're from northern Minnesota you know the Red River Valley it's like this special insider (laughs) you know like it really it feels like you you're in on like a little secret of what she's what she's talking about especially if you're Ojibwe um so yeah I guess I wanted to ask a little bit more about how you went about developing Cash's character and I know that you've said in other interviews that Cash isn't necessarily you but you know you share some experiences or your experiences have greatly informed how you've written her um so yeah just wondering more about how long it took you to develop Cash um and what that process was like for you so I think you know, like initially I, I want, like I said, I wanted to write crime. And so I, I actually have three novels that are sitting in my garage that will never see the light of day. They're so bad. And I knew they were bad. I knew that there was no point in, you know, like, yeah. So I just <laughs> shoved them away and I thought I, you know, I, apparently I can't write crime. And so I was going to write a, a fluff novel about this young woman that goes to Nashville and breaks into the music industry, blah, blah, blah. Um, and as I was trying to write that, I, you know, it's sort of like cash just sort of like showed up like, no, no, no. And this whole other story came out Mm. and, you know, it was set in 1970. Um, cash was a full blown character. I mean, I could like see her in my mind, you know? Um, and as long as I wrote this story that was sort of like coming about cash, I could tell that it was working. And that actually is the first book that you held up there, Murder on the Red River. Um, and like I've said many, many times, this is, these are, this is not an autobiographical series. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in that part of the country, so I know the land, I know that river, I know, um, you know the people um, of that area, whether it's the farmers or the native folks. Um, and I've had so many Native women say to me, you wrote my story. Hmm. Um, and then I've had so many non-Native people say to me, I wish I was more like Cash. Hmm. <laughs> you know, like they mm-hmm. people really admire her strength and resilience and just sort of, I guess, her guts to keep doing the things that she does. Um, but, you know, I, I don't like outline the books ahead of time. I have, I, when I began a book, I have a basic idea of the crime that's been committed. And I know that cash is going to help, you know, solve this crime that's occurred. Um, And then I just, just write, I sit down here at my computer and just type away as the story comes to me. And once in a while I'll get an idea and I'll, you know, like write it on a post-it note and stick it on the wall so that I don't forget it. Um, so that's kind of the process that mm-hmm. I go through. There's not, um, like I didn't sit down and write a whole outline and say, oh, this is the, the book or this is cash. Mm-hmm. Can, um, can you uh, get suggestions? Could somebody give you a post-it note and say, hey, do a murder uh, mystery on a radio host or, or something like that? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you know, the biggest suggestions that I get, because it's set in 1970, uh, it's rural. And mm-hmm. in my experience growing up, never lived in a city until I came down to Minneapolis. And, you know, like kids drank in high school. That's what people mm-hmm. did. And in 1970, everybody smoked cigarettes. You'd go into the doctor's office, he'd light up, you'd light up. And, you know, <laughs> that was like the 1970s. And it was also that 
era of, um, you know, hippies, Vietnam War protests, um, the women's liberation movement, um, the American Indian movement started. Pardon? Black Panthers. Black Panthers, the civil rights movement. So there was a lot happening during that time. And all of that sort of influences what's happening in these stories. Yeah, it's really interesting. I remember uh, I'm 61 or 62. I can't remember. Um, and I remember smoking and uh, visiting my mother in the hospital smoking. Exactly. I was on plane smoking. Yep. And now when anyone sneezes on the plane, I cover up. I can't even imagine you know, <laughs> years ago when we were all puffing away on a plane. Right. Wow. Yeah, and, and this is a little bit of a pivot, but um, <laughs> I think one of my biggest questions I'm really, I was really, really interested in asking you, Marcy, um, was how you've, I mean, I guess it takes just years and years of writing, but um, I just feel like the way you write, you know, Native American stories in this book is really, really thoughtful in telling the truth and not shying away from the truth, but also not making it into like, you know, like a trauma show, you know, because I've just, I've seen, especially in movies, I've seen that Mm -hmm. countless times. Um, And yeah, I guess I'm just so curious as a writer also, um, I had a re- I did a research project for my senior year and I just wanted to write about I wrote about white earth and harm reduction and it was just mm-hmm. like I, I worked really hard to try and you know find that balance to not um, like exploit my own people um, mm-hmm. for their pain mm-hmm. but also to tell the truth and be honest and and shed light on where the root of this issue is because um, it is not ours necessarily right. you know. Right. Um, so yeah, I guess I'm just, that's, that's something, that's a pretty big question, but, um, I'm just interested to hear anything you have to say in regards to that. So my goal in writing really was to, because like I, I, I read crime, you know, like you name a crime author, I've probably read their books. It's like other people watch Netflix, I read crime. And so my goal has been to write crime novels that anybody can pick up who reads crime can pick it up, read it and enjoy it. I never intended to do like an educational thing. Mm -hmm. And when you're writing, like I, I really think that as a writer, you have to write from your heart. You have to write from your soul. And I've, I learned early, early way back when I first began writing I was writing a play and I tried to make it not native at all. Like I thought anybody can play this. Any gender can play this. Any person of any ethnicity can play this. And then it was read by a non-native group of young people from a Western suburb. And it was like, hmm, this is not (laughs) working. There is so many, so much native stuff in here that, you know, you, so when you write what you know, those things are in there. But I've managed, I think, to just sort of weave them into the story in a way that people have, you know, said, oh, I didn't know that. Tell Mm -hmm. me more about that. Um, That are separate from the the crime that's happening in the book. Hey, Zoe, take us out for a break. Uh, You're listening to Native Ritz Radio. Yes, stay with us. We'll be right back with Marcy after um, some messages from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Stay with us. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Eat Local Minnesota is a great way to find locally owned Minnesota restaurants and food purveyors. You'll find high quality food and unique eating experiences with dishes from around the world. Just visit eatlocalminnesota.com for your next meal. 
Bruner's Supper Club invites you to Maggie's Lounge, an exciting new bar lounge. It's open Wednesdays through Sundays beginning at 4.30 for cocktails and light fare. And you don't need a ticket to enjoy the great atmosphere of Maggie's. So stop by Crooner's Supper Club off Moorlake and Highway 65 for dinner, drinks, and live music from both big-name local and national artists. Cafe Latte combines a cafe dining experience with gourmet quality food. Plus, you can still do online ordering and takeout along with gift cards. Just go to CafeLatte.com and choose from their ever-changing selection of award-winning salads, sandwiches, and soups. Cafe Latte is located off Victoria and Grand and online at CafeLatte.com. This is David from The David Pakman Show, where we expose the hatriots, liars, and Trumpists. Weekdays at 2 p.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I love my Toyota vehicles, so when I have to get service done, there's only one place I go. Rudy Luther Toyota. They know Toyotas inside and out. It starts with them checking your alignment and tire treads with the Hunter Quick Check Drive Inspection Service. Oil changes, tires, batteries, wipers, no matter what you need done, they can help you with reliable Toyota parts and the best service team in Minnesota. Check their website, RudyLutherToyota.com, for service and parts specials just for your Toyota vehicles. Get your Toyota serviced at Rudy Luther Toyota, 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Hey, it's Patrick for Zero Res. April is National Pet Month, and if you have furry, fluffy friends, you know they're not always careful about where they do their business. Plus, warmer weather is on the way, and that means they will be shedding that winter coat all over the carpets. But whether you're a pet owner or not, make sure to take advantage of Zero Res showering April savings on you before the May flowers and the May pet fluff showering on your carpets not far behind. Get three rooms zero resified from the Twin Cities number one carpet cleaner starting at just 129 bucks, and take 75 bucks off your air duct cleaning this month to take care of pet dander and last year's pollen and other irritants before this year's flowers bloom. That's three rooms of the best clean you can buy for 129 bucks and 75 bucks off your air duct cleaning. Call 9520Res or book your appointment at zeroresminnesota.com today. Backward or forward spells the same, zero res. Bill Maher. Every year, somebody, I don't know who, but they keep a registry of the names that parents are giving their newborns. They've been naming kids things like Pistol, Shooter, Magnum, Remington. This is sick. Liberals don't do this. Liberals don't name their kids Prius and Juicer. Bill Maher in the Mystic Showroom, May 21st. Get tickets now at the Mystic Box Office or online at mysticlake.com. With a look at your AM 950 weather, I'm Patrick Lulia. Clear tonight with a low of 60, then a slight chance of rain on Friday with a high of 80. The locally owned Vinaigrette has been offering the finest olive oils and vinegar since 2009. That's Vinaigrette, Xerxes Avenue and 50th Street in Minneapolis or at vinaigrettemn.com. Bijou. I am Oshawashko Gijig. I'm from Red Lake Nation, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake. Bonjour, relatives. You are listening to Native Roots Radio. This is Zoe Allen, along with host Robert Pilot. Um, we're here today talking with um, amazing writer, um, poet, playwright, um, uh, Marcy Rendon from the White Earth Nation. Um, and just for just to remind our listeners, um, this segment of the show is brought to you by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Um, so, hey, Marcy, um, we were just talking about, you are just talking um, a bit about, you know, um, how you balance you know, such heavy topics in, in, you know, your stories, but also, you know, while keeping the focus really clearly on the crime itself, um, as you know, you talked about your avid fan of, of crime novels. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any, I guess my next question, are there any writers that have really like um, influenced your work um, or you've kind of drawn from the structure of maybe how they present a story? Um can I can I go back to the Oh yeah, you can go back though? too. Yeah. Yeah. Um just that with I've read some books where you're reading a really good story and then all of a sudden it's like 
commercial break. Here's an educational piece about boarding schools, educational piece. Here's about, you know, ICWA. And I intentionally did not want to do that. Mm. And so at the back of each book, there's an author note that touches on those historical things that everybody may not know that get talked about in the book. Um, so that's, that's sort of how I've handled that because my editor, my first editor, she wanted more information about ICWA. She wanted more information about boarding schools. I said, no, I'm talking about a dead body here. <laughs> this, is, this is what I want to talk about. Um, and so we added the author's notes to the back of the books. And then the publisher um, has a, like discussion questions that readers can, you know, like if they're using them in a school or a book club, they can request those discussion questions. Um, who's influenced me? You know, Stephen King. I don't know. You know, the way that he writes about Maine oh, to the mm-hmm. point where the first time I went to Maine, I felt like I would, I'd been there before. Right. Because I would be driving down the road and it would be like, here's one town. Oh, the next town is Castle. Oh, the next town is Banger. Oh, then, you know, it's so like just from reading his books, I it felt like I knew the country. And so I, I know Minnesota. I know that part of Minnesota. I know where Highway 75 is. I know where Highway 9 is, you know. Um, I know that road from Ada to Twin Valley to Minoman. So incorporating that into my story, and I think that's one thing that resonates with people, um, not just from this area, but people who live rural. Mm-hmm. Like they pay attention to where the trees are, where the rivers are, where the you know, which fields and what, what's growing in what fields. Um, you know, the, I guess the other person, you know, John Sanford, he has a silent prey books. I don't know if you've read them. They're set in Minneapolis. Um, silent prey, deadly prey, snowy prey. I mean, he's got like 30 prey books. Um, but he, he's, they're set in Minnesota. And so I knew that it was possible. I knew it was possible to set novels in a place and have the place be, you know, a part of the story in the same way that the character is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are the two that I think of. Yeah. I was actually thinking of Stephen King earlier when you were talking about how you have, um, you know, a couple novels or, you know, things you've written in your garage that will never see the light of day. Mm-hmm. Cause I just remember the story of, um, you know, Stephen King's first book, Carrie, he threw in the trash right. and <laughs> it wasn't until his wife, you know, dug it out and that it became, you know, one of his most famous and most right. loved um, novels later turned into a movie. And he is an insane character. I mean, he lives in Maine, you know, right. he still lives yeah. there and yeah. my family, um, has land on Keezer Lake and that's the lake he lives on. So a mm. lot of his stories are based around that lake. And so yeah. going there, I'm glad I haven't read a lot of his books because I don't think I could sleep there. <laughs> I would be too scared. <laughs> you know, and the Pet Cemetery is a real place. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyways, that just goes to say, um, I guess my next question was, uh, how long did it take you to become published? Um, what was that process like for you? And, you know, you've done, you have lots of poetry out there, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have plays. Um, what was different about getting this book off the ground, you know? So um, Murder on the Red River was the first book in this series of Cash Black Bear stories. And it was written, and I'm a part of an ongoing women's writers group. And they were like, this is it. This is going to sell. This is your book, Marcy. And I sent it out to publishers. I sent it out to agents. It was five years of rejections. And I think that at that point, when I was submitting, the two top authors, native authors out there were Louise Erdrich and Sherman Alexie. And crime novels just didn't fit, you know. And then the other group were the... um, 
the romance novels, you know, with the half naked guy on the cover, you know, and this wasn't it either, you know? And so I just rejection, rejection, Debbie Reese, who does the blog, American Indians and children literature. She's a friend of mine. And I was talking to her and I said, I'm giving up. I've been trying for five years to find a publisher for this. And she's the one that suggested that I try Cinco Puntos, which was my first publisher of the Cash Black Bear books. And I sent them the manuscript. They picked it up. And, you know, so that's how it all started. But it was five years of rejection. And I was ready to just give it up. Wow. Hey, Marcy, uh, mm-hmm. can you uh, tell our listening audience how we can, like, do you have a website or somewhere they can land in uh, our Facebook? Do you have anything where they, they could head head to and uh, get a lot of this information we're talking about? Um, I have a website that's just marcyrendon.com. I'm on Facebook, Marcy Rendon Author, um, Twitter, Instagram. I mean, the publishing world tells you that you have to be on all of this social media platforms to sell books. So if people just Google Marcy Rendon, they'll find me, find the information. The books here in the Twin Cities, like Zoe said earlier, are in just about any bookstore. I've done readings in every bookstore, I think, in the cities. <laughs> However, um, Once Upon a Crime always has copies and birch bark books always has copies awesome go ahead zoe um yeah i guess i don't know if we have enough time maybe if we have to break another again um okay um i just wanted to ask um about the story i read um about you trying to get your book out into the world marcy um I read something about how you were able to get it on the Oprah book list. Um, crazy story. I would love for you to share. Well, that I don't with know if listeners. it's true or not, but it's, you know, it's still a good story. I don't yeah. know. I just think it's insane. So the, the running club, the women's native women's running club up in Duluth, they had a whole big spread with Oprah. And I said to them, did you guys should give her my book? They're like, no, we never thought of it. And I was, this was a conversation happening on Facebook. And my friend Lee, who is a singer in New York, she said, well, I'm going to be singing on the Oprah show. Get, get me a book and I'll give it to her. And so I mailed her a copy of the book, you know, with a note inside of it. And then Lee wrote me back and she's a beautiful, beautiful, wonderful singer. Um, she wrote me back and she said, nobody can get near Oprah. You just can't. So I didn't have the opportunity to hand her the book. She said, but I gave it to the cleaning lady and asked her to put it on her dressing table. And (laughs) so that happened now. And then like it, you know, it came out on this 31 native authors recommended by Oprah. Mm -hmm. And that's the only way that I can think that she would have seen that book. (laughs) So that's the story. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I just think that's so incredible and <laughs> and also just so like you know hope hope feel hopeful because um you know I think about up and coming writers or young people mm-hmm. that are starting to get to get into the writing world and to see see themselves in women like you doing it and getting you know getting the credit and the platform that you deserve for so many years of hard work um so I know we have to break in a little bit, but if there is one thing you could say to, you know, up and coming writers, if you had one piece of advice, I guess, what would it be? For people to, to keep writing and to submit, you know, you have to, people are so tender and so afraid of getting rejected, but really you have to risk that rejection, you know, and for me, it was that five years of just no, 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 no. But I just kept, but I had these, women behind me saying, go for it. This, you know, somebody's going to get it, somebody. Um, And so you have to keep writing and you have to keep submitting and you submit all over the place. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm submitting short stories. I'm submitting poetry. I'm submitting plays. I'm submitting novels, children's books. Um, I have a children's book right now that's 
been rejected by nine publishers. (laughs) 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 That's like, hmm, but I know it's a good one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Hey, why don't we take a quick uh, break and do another segment? This is really uh, going very well, and I really appreciate Marcy here. And uh, go ahead, uh, Zoe, take us out of this hour, and we'll come back. All right, you're listening to Native Roots Radio. Um, This is Zoe Allen. We're with Marcy Rendon. And stay with us. We'll have more from her after the break. Stay with us. Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. A lot has changed since 2020. Metro Transit wants to hear from you to help build a network that best serves the Metro's needs for the next five years. Help us grow the right way as more resources, like more drivers, become available. Learn more, fill out an online survey, and find out about upcoming meetings in your neighborhood at metrotransit.org slash network hyphen now. metrotransit.org slash network hyphen now. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live live and and let howl. Hi, I'm Jane Fonda, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. Bonjour, relatives. Um, This portion of the show is brought to you by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. There was one uh, wolf that was laughing and not howling. (laughs) I was totally unprepared for that. (laughs) Okay, Marcy, you never listened to our radio show. Okay. Just, Just want to be clear. All right, go ahead, Zoe. Bougie <laughs> uh, relatives, um, this is Native Roots Radio. Um, this is Zoe Allen along with host Robert Pilot. We are here interviewing Marcy Rendon, um, an enrolled member of the White Earth Nation, writer, poet, playwright, and also um, a McKnight Distinguished Artist Award winner um, for 2020. Um, and Marcy, um, we were just talking about well, lots of things. Um, and you know, if there's anything you wanted to say, um, more for more advice for um, you know, up and coming writers, love to hear it. Um, but I also wanted to mention that you're up for a book award, um, Minnesota Book Award this year. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? So, sure. Uh, advice to writers: write, write, submit, submit stack up those rejections and then submit again. Um, You just got to keep, you just got to keep at it. And it helps to have a group of people around you, whether that's family or some writers group, somebody that's just encouraging you to, you know, keep moving forward. Um, The McKnight Distinguished Artist 
of the Year Award. It was in 2020. I was the first Native woman to receive that award. I had zero idea that that was a possibility. I, I, you know, our distinguished artist, one, I don't feel very distinguished. And two, <laughs> like artists, I think of visual artists. You know, it wasn't mm. me. Um, and then the book awards, like all of my books have won some award. I didn't know that book awards were a thing. Mm-hmm. I, I I just thought you wrote them and hopefully they got published and people read them. So when the first, it, my Murder on the Red River won the Pinkley Women's Debut Novel of the Year Award, um, got to go to New Orleans and get this award and this big thing. And Sinister Graves, the, the newest novel, um, you can't see it, um, you know, it's been nominated. It's a finalist for the Minnesota Book Award, which is a huge, it's a big thing. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that these things existed. <laughs> I mean, people, you know, growing up, I didn't know that Native people could grow up and be writers. This was right. not something that was ever put out there for us. Um, so it's an honor. Even just the nomination is an honor. Zoe, I just have a quick question for Marcy. I know, uh, what is your style? I know some people, I've heard if you want to do a book, if you're a first time book writer, make it like, do two pages a day. And then by the end of the year, you know, you're not procrastinating. You have 700 pages to deal with. Um, some people cram in a book for months. St- I guess Stephen uh, King does writes in the morning. Uh, what is your style, or, or how do you? Uh, uh, how many pages you do a day, or words? When I'm working on a novel, I try for two thousand words a day. And I sometimes I write with a friend, like we'll get on Zoom like this, mm-hmm. and we'll write for an hour um, where I get most of my writing done. I'm a mother. I'm a grandmother. I've always had kids around. (laughs) And so in order to get the kind of space that you need in your brain to write, I I do a lot of writing residencies whenever I can, where I'll get two weeks to go sit up on the North shore and just nobody else is around. And I just write nonstop from the time I get up and till I fall asleep at night. That's when I actually get the most work done. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, working on book four, I just sit here. I try to reach my 2,000 words a day um, and hope for the best <laughs> that, you know, mm-hmm. that, I, that I meet the deadline that my editor wants it by. Um, but I think that as a mother, a lot of my writing has had to happen in my head while I'm doing everything else. <laughs> You know, while I'm driving them to school, while I'm doing the dishes, while I'm doing cleaning the house. And then when I sit down, I can actually just sort of pump out the words. I think that every writer has to find what works for them. Mm. Uh, People talk about having peak hours to write. Oh, I do my best writing at 10 in the morning. Oh, I do my best writing. Art Colson, he's another Native writer here. And he starts writing at 9 o'clock at night. But he has a job during the day. So yeah. this is like his golden hour. He goes from 9 to 1, 2 in the morning. Um, I'm asleep. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I think that everybody has to find their own rhythm and, and what works for them. Because what works for me may not work for Zoe, may not work for you, mm-hmm. Robert. Mm. Cool. Well, yeah. I, I, have to, I have to start writing with that uh, artificial intelligence because I'm not. Doing <laughs> oh, oh, well, before we go, um, I just wanted to also acknowledge your other work. Um, you know, we have about three minutes left here. I just wanted to talk a little bit about your, your playwriting and also your poetry. And I mean, thinking of one of my favorites um, is what what is an Indian woman to do? Um, I talk about it all the time, especially, especially lately, given all the pretendian stuff going on. Um, it's so relevant today. So, um, 
So the, that poem is my most published poem. What's an Indian woman to do when the white girls act more Indian than the Indians do? Um, Joy Harjo published it in her um, When the Light of the World Was Subdued anthology. Um, I write poetry all the time. And I have two poetry manuscripts right now that I've submitted. Because um, I don't have a book of my own poetry published. Mm-hmm. So... We'll see if I finally get one of my work published. Um, the plays, recently I have a play performance piece called Say Their Names about missing and murdered Indian women. And Turtle Collective Theater, in collaboration with the History Theater, did a staged reading of that piece in November. Um, it's like a 45, 50-minute play about missing and murdered Indian women. And that, that piece actually began as a piece, as a poet poem that I wrote for a spoken word thing at EQ at the loft a number of years ago. Um, At that time, the database for missing and murdered Indian women in Canada was 90 pages long. Wow. um, Wow. Single spaced. You know, that's a, that's a ream of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wrote a poem based off of that idea. And now I've turned it into this, this play. Mm. Um, and then I have another play about a Native woman who's a serial killer. That, mm-hmm. I, that, I'm, that it had a staged reading at the Playwright <laughs> Center with the Guthrie. And I'm trying to find some play. It, it's There's satire. People. It's farce. There's- it's... Mm-hmm. There's people I know that could play that part. No. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that's, so that... a different, that's a different. <laughs> well, oh. well, Zoe, I, I just want to say, uh, Peeny Gigi for getting Marcy on. I see Marcy in the community all the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's, uh, you know, with her books. And I know you're a big fan. And I've always wanted to have Marcy on. So this worked out so, so well, Zoe. Thank you, Zoe. This is great. Chimi um, Gwich, Marcy, it's so lovely to see you, even if it's on, you know, cyberspace. Hopefully you can visit again soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, cool. And I want I want to thank Zoe, too. Uh, and Marcy, what a great show. You've been listening to Native Ritz Radio presents I'm Awake. One last time on your website and how we can uh, mm-hmm. get your books, Marcy. Um, just Google Marcy Brendan and I'll pop up somewhere and the books are either at Birchbart Books or Once Upon a Crime or just about any bookstore that you want to in the cities. Well, again, Peeny Gigi for being on. I just want to end the show. The ground on which we stand on is sacred ground. It is the blood of our ancestors. We need to resist, divest, join a group, or run for office. You've been listening to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake. We're still here. We are the seventh generation. Free Leonard Peltier now. <laughs>